Our text this morning is the Gospel of John, chapter 20. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Uh, Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his, of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. These are your words, Heavenly Father, sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed in Christ, in the various accounts of the days following the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, we are learning of a transition. It is a transition of the object of faith, or better, the way by which the object of faith is transmitted and received. Or, even simpler, how do we know Jesus? The disciples of Jesus for the past three years had seen Jesus. Their object of faith, Jesus, is seen and heard. They watched him perform miracles, walk on water, calm a storm. They have seen so much, so many amazing actions by the one in whom they put their trust. They've also heard his preaching, his parables, his powerful word that brought healing to the sick and even life to the dead. But just days earlier, they had also seen this same Jesus cruelly executed. They had seen the blood dripping from the thorns of the crown pushed into his forehead, from the wounds the nails had made in his hands, and the side with the spear driven into it, with blood and water flowing out to demonstrate what? That he was dead. Now Jesus will spend time demonstrating on Easter, the day of his resurrection, that he is alive. But the first responses of many are filled with fear and doubt and unbelief. Jesus would break through all of that by showing himself alive to a few initially, but finally, over the next 40 days, over 500 would have witnessed that he had risen bodily from the grave. Thomas is one of those who had a hard time with all this, but he's not the only one. Luke tells us about two disciples who actually walked and spoke with Jesus that first Easter, 
but they didn't recognize him. They spoke with him about their hope that Jesus had been the one to come and redeem Israel. But he died. And they'd heard some stories that maybe he was alive, but they didn't have any knowledge of it firsthand themselves. Now what does Jesus say to those two? O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus pointed them to what was written about Christ. Now Thomas, hearing the news about Jesus' resurrection, is not persuaded by his fellow disciples' mere word. He needs verification. Again, he had seen what happened to Jesus on Friday. It was a sight not easily dismissed or supplanted by a better one. But eight days later, Thomas gets that verification. Jesus appears to Thomas, giving him the same greeting he'd spoken to the other ten, peace to you. And now Thomas sees the resurrected Jesus. He was no ghost, no disembodied spirit, but he is truly there. His hands are the ones imprinted with the nail wounds. His side is the one still scarred by a spear. And Thomas responds with that great confession, my Lord and my God. Thomas is sure, in fact, so sure that he would boldly spread the good news about this Savior, Jesus Christ, perhaps farther than any of the other disciples, going all the way to India, as tradition has it. Let's hear again the last part of this text. Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. For the last 19 centuries, the way to know and confess Jesus has not been through sight, but through hearing. The familiar words of St. Paul summarize John's message here. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Again, John said, these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet have believed. The object of faith is the same. Jesus Christ, the one who died and rose again. For Thomas and hundreds of others, there was the seeing and the believing. For us, there is the believing without the seeing of Jesus, with which which Thomas was blessed to experience. But what we have is these are written. This is the word of God, the word which brings us Jesus and his saving message. But it is easy to doubt. What is written seems a fragile structure on which to build the hope of eternal life. And the devil, the world, and our own flesh know this fragility. And that is why scripture, what is written, is always under attack. Thomas's, unless I see, 
continues to plague us. Satan will ask, do you really believe all those stories in the Bible really happened as they were written? The world joins in, adding many voices to the chorus of doubt and unbelief. How can you be sure? Our own flesh will hope for a word that isn't so boring. If only it could be made more exciting through techniques that tickle my ears with what is fun and emotionally touching and not just the same old what is written. And yet that is what God has given to you, his word written for you. And why is that? Well, John tells us, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And so we pay attention to these things that are written. We are obligated not to despise preaching in God's word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. We learn to pray that our Lord would continue to help us read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest these holy words of our Lord. We pray this because it is through this word alone that our faith is both created and sustained. And our faith then continues to be directed to its object, Jesus Christ, received by faith through what is written, God's word. God, help us to retain this word with faithful hearts. Through the word that gives us Jesus, we are given life in his name. John wrote in his first letter, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life for you. Amen. And glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may rise for prayer. <clears throat> Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that of your great mercy you have given us your holy and blessed word by which you also among us gather your Christian church. We humbly entreat you, grant us your Holy Spirit, that we receive your word with thankful hearts and live according to it, and ever increase in Christian faith and hope and love, and at last obtain eternal salvation through Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.